On this Easter Sunday, I'm just going to be asking you one question. One question. And I'm going to ask it of you a number of times. It's going to be up on the screen the entire time for you to see. If you decide you don't want to look at it and you turn around, it will be on the monitor. (laughs) The same question. If you decide to close your eyes so you don't have to see it, you'll hear me asking it. And I don't think anybody brought earplugs. So, this question is going to be a question that you will remember. I have been praying that it will be a question on your mind all afternoon. That it will be a question that comes to your mind when you lay in your bed tonight. That God would cause this question to stay with you this entire Easter Sunday. And the question is, who do you live for? Important question. Who do you live for? Now, since we're in church and it's Easter Sunday, most of you would probably answer that question, Jesus. Because you're supposed to answer it that way, right? But be careful. Be careful. Think before you answer that question. Because in answering that question, you have to be honest. You have to be real. You have to mean it. It's that important of a question. There's a a T-shirt that some people wear. And on the T-shirt it says, Life is basketball and the rest is detail. And many of us could plug something else in there besides basketball. Maybe some of you could plug in basketball. But you might plug in something else. Life is, and the rest is just detail. I'd like you to listen to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23. Two men, both criminals, were led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus died on a cross. Listen to Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, 
The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Jesus rose again from the dead. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Who do you live for? Who do you live for? Is it someone who died for you? Has the one you live for ever died for you? Is it someone who conquered death and rose from the dead and is alive? Is that who you live for? Who do you live for? Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. Yes, we're still in our series. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just going to look at one verse in 2 Corinthians 5. And the verse is verse 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And he died for all, referring to Jesus. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's just walk through that one verse for a few minutes. It says, and he died for all. Jesus died for all. You and I are included in the word all. He died for us. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He took our place in his death. He bore our sins in his body on that cross. He was judged. He paid the penalty for sin that was our debt to be paid. But he died for all. He hadn't sinned. But he died for our sin. So Paul says he died for all. That those who live, that includes you and me, right? I can see you all. You look like you're breathing. So we're all included in the phrase, so that those who live. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You see, that's the problem 
that causes many more problems. We live for ourselves. From the time we come into this world, we live for ourselves. We want to run our own lives. We want to call the shots. We want to have the last say. We want to be in control of our lives. That's the problem. We live for ourselves. Isaiah the prophet said in Isaiah 53 that we're all like sheep. We've gone astray and and we've all turned to our own way. We're off running our own lives apart from God. And Solomon in the Proverbs more than once makes a statement something like this. He says, there is a way that seems right to a man, to a person. But the end leads to ruin. But still, so many people want to live for themselves. They want to build their own kingdom. Every one of us has a bag. And in that bag, we have building blocks. And in that bag, we have uh, building blocks that represent things like our desires, our will, our ambitions, our pride, our self-centeredness, our sin, our addictions. Our bag is full of building blocks like that. And we want to build our own life with those blocks. And so we do. We start building our lives. And you know, at first, it looks pretty good. Looks like things are going quite well. And then as our life goes on, as we continue to take these blocks out of our bag, the blocks start reminding us of how imperfect we are. They start reminding us that we aren't really very good at building our own lives and living for ourselves. And pretty soon our sin and our imperfections and all those things that we're building our life with begin to teeter. They don't look as good as they used to look. They don't feel as good as they used to feel. And pretty soon, we find out that what Solomon said in all his wisdom is starting to turn out to be true. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to ruin, and things start falling apart. That's what happens when we live for ourselves. And maybe some of you have experienced that. You know, you experience what it's like to be living for yourself, to run your own life, to be in control of what's going on in your life, to do your own thing. Don't need anybody, not even Jesus. How's that going? If you're still living for yourself, how's that going? How's it working out? At times it looks okay. There's a way that seems right to a person. 
But eventually, all those blocks in your bag that you're building your life with on your own, they begin to show their frailty. They begin to show that they're not strong enough to build a life on. And pretty soon, you begin to experience what Solomon calls ruin. It's pretty common. And so what Paul says here is he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You don't have to live for yourselves. But live for him who died for them and was raised again. You don't have to live for yourself. You don't have to. You don't have to build your own kingdom. You don't have to be king of your world. It doesn't work. Jesus died and rose again so that those who live for themselves can live for him, the one who died and rose again. That's Paul's message there. It's a good message. It's good news for those who are trying to live for themselves and build their own little kingdom. So the question is, who do you live for? Who do you live for? Yourself? That's the most common answer, by the way. If you ever play family feud and that's a question, number one answer. Who do people live for? Themselves. Doesn't work. Jesus died and rose again so that you could live for him. If we uh, were to ask the Apostle Paul this question, Paul, who do you live for? <clears throat> he, without hesitation, would have an answer. And it would be what he said in Philippians chapter 1. For to me, to live is Christ. Remember that? That was Paul's answer to the question, who do you live for? For to me, to live is Christ. How do you do that? What does it mean to live for Christ? What does it look like to live for Christ? Well, I, I could take us to many parts of Scripture to answer that question. I'm just going to take you to one. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Here's one way to describe what it means to live for Christ. Colossians 3, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since, it's, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's what it means to live for Christ. Three things. 
But before I describe each one, there's a fourth thing that comes before those. And that is, you have to know Christ in order to live for Christ. That's just logical. You can't live for somebody you don't even know. And so if you're going to live for Christ, if that's going to be the answer to the question, who do you live for, you have to know Christ. And how do we come to know Christ? Well, Jesus himself said, repent and believe the good news, the gospel. Acknowledge your sinfulness, turn from it, seek forgiveness, and believe the good news about Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, to know Christ, you confess him as Lord with your mouth. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's how you come to know him. And the Apostle John said, you come to know him by receiving him into your life and believing in his name. Confessing your sin and he will forgive. You can't live for Christ unless you know him. So that's the first step. And so if you don't know Jesus, you can't answer this question, Jesus. You can't answer this question, I live for Jesus. You don't even know him. That's the first thing that you have to deal with, is to enter a relationship by faith with Jesus. Acknowledging your sins, seeking his forgiveness that he paid for on the cross, receiving him into your life as your leader, as the king of your life, the one who rules your life. Then you can start living for him. And here Paul describes three parts of living for Christ. The first one is verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ. When you live for Christ, you let his peace Rule in your heart. The, the, the word for rule there is the idea of act as an umpire. Uh, make the calls. Be the authority. Um, it won't be long and I'll be umping behind the plate for Little League. I love it because I'm in control. I'm the authority. I make the calls. I have the final say. Paul says when you live for Christ, it means you let his peace make the calls in your life, in your heart. Can you imagine what your life would be like? Can you imagine what your home would be like? Can you imagine what your marriage would be like if the peace of Christ ruled in your heart? Those relationships would be amazing things. But that's living for Christ. It's letting his peace rule in our hearts. Make the call. Be in charge. Direct you. The peace of Christ. That's living for him. In verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what living for Christ is all about. It's letting his word, his truth, dwell in you richly. To dwell means to take up residence, to settle in, 
to take up every room in the house and create the atmosphere of the house. A lot of times they say that's what the wife and mother does. She's the one that creates the atmosphere. I'm not sure that's always true. But what Paul is saying is if you're going to live for Christ, you need to get his word living inside of you, filling every room in your life and creating the atmosphere, determining how you live, determining what goes on in your life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's how you live for Christ. And then third, he says, verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's living for Christ. Everything you do, everything you say is for Christ. It's in his name. It's to honor him. It's to please him. It's to follow his purposes and his will. Whatever you do in word or deed, Do it all in the name of Christ. That's living for Jesus. And the Apostle Paul said, Jesus died for us all. That we who live should no longer live for ourselves. Because if you keep living for yourself and building your own kingdom, what will happen, according to Solomon, is what a lot of you have been waiting to happen. In the end, it will be ruined. But Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died And rose again. Who do you live for? Do you even know Jesus so you could live for him? A lot of people have chosen to enter that relationship with Jesus on Easter. This weekend of the year. Many people have testimonies to point back to Good Friday, Easter Sunday. As the time when they surrendered to Jesus Christ, repented of their sins and sought the forgiveness he paid for on the cross and received Jesus into their lives, united with him to no longer live for themselves, but to live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Who do you live for? You've got to answer that question. It's crucial. Who do you live for? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you at this moment in the service. to ask you to speak to different ones here who have gathered. Father, if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, doesn't know Him, which means they're not living for Him, probably living for themselves. 
Lord, I pray that even right now, you would speak to their hearts, speak to their minds. As I finish this prayer, Lord, I would just ask that you would lead those people who you loved so much that you would send your one and only Son to go to that cross. Father, I pray that even now, or as we sing more songs, they would surrender their lives to you. They would seek the salvation, the relationship with you through Jesus that can change their life and give them the ability to no longer live for themselves but for the one who died and rose again on their behalf. Father, that is our desire. And God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw someone into relationship with you during the remainder of this service. You can do it, Lord. You do it all the time. We pray that it will happen today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.